I'm Ginger. And I'm Dutch. on the way through. This is kept in by Simonen. Now Ashton Morgan. Morgan with the cross into the middle and it's headed in! Toronto FC a level! Eric Zavaleta, the former Sounders player, returns to CenturyLink and scores the goal that ties the game. And Zavaleta makes them pay. Clinical finishing, downward header. All right, folks, welcome back for another episode of Ginger and Dutch here. As we move forward, I think we're on episode 12 or 13. Dutch, I've lost count on how many episodes we've done, but I'm having a lot of fun doing it. So welcome tonight. I'm, uh, I'm not uh, fired up. I'm jacked up tonight. We got a fantastic special guest, uh, which will lead us right into the MLS. So I'll bring Dutch in here. Dutch, how are you doing? Fantastic, doing fantastic. I'm I'm really really excited for tonight. Um, as as if you guys didn't hear by the intro, we've got a really cool guest coming on. So you know what, we might as well get right into talking MLS. Uh, we haven't talked about soccer at all, and uh, it's some some pretty cool news. They're getting ready to start back. Uh, I'm sure you're aware of that, agent. Yep, yep, I am aware of that. I've uh, been following along as they've been trying to finalize their plan and hopefully roll it out here soon. So. Yeah, I'd love to. Uh, I'd love to hear a little bit more about some of the research that you've done. Yeah, no, I, I really wanted to talk about it. So they're they're getting back on July eighth, um, and believe it or not, you, they're the first team sport in North America to come back. And they had already started the season; they had only played two games. So I love their idea. They're going down to the the Disney Complex. Let's hope uh, everything's okay down there with uh, with COVID for sure. But they're heading down to the Disney Complex. I know you've been there yourself in that area, and and it's big. There'll be a cool little bubble for them, so let's hope that they can make it work. But I think what's the coolest part is is that they're actually going to do like a Euro Cup style. So they're starting off with a huge tournament, and and the tournament is going to be literally six divisions. They start with um, they have four or uh, five divisions of four, and then they have one division of six. And they based it off of the semifinals from last year. They all got a first a first uh, pod, we'll call it. So TSC's in there as one of them. And from there, um, they do a live draw, or they did the live draw, and they've got all the brackets set up and ready to go. And they're, do, they're doing a round robin. And the round robin counts for the standings, if I didn't already say that. So they're going to accumulate that. And then once the tournament's over, they're going to go into back into the regular season and finish it off if everything works out all right. So from there, they go, into a, uh, they go down to like a top 16, and then it's a knockout stage. So that'll be kind of cool. Um, it goes all the way to August 11th. That's when the championship game is. Um, and there's some, you know what, the winner gets the, the 2021 CONCACAF Champions League berth. So there's there's definitely something to play for. There's also an additional prize pool for the players, which I uh, read was over a million bucks. So it, it's, it's really um, going to be neat. There's some interesting facts. Um, no overtime at all. So there's, there won't be anything because of their, they were talking about their conditioning and that's in the uh, knockout stages all the way, or sorry, all the way through to the knockout stages. So it'll go straight to penalty kicks. Yep. I know we're not a big fan of penalty kicks, but at least that way they're not stuck out there. And the other cool thing was 
instead of three subs, they were going to expand their rosters, I think, up to 23 or I'm not sure what the exact number was. But instead of having three subs a game, they're going to go up to five subs uh, a game. So what do you think? Do you do you like the idea of the tournament? You know, I'm a big tournament guy. I mean, I love the World Cup and Euro Cup, which I told you right from day one when we started this podcast. So what do you think? I love it. I love it. Um, you know me. Consistency is number one. And I've said uh in every single podcast we've done um, with every single major league sport that we've talked about uh, with their return plan coming back is let's be creative. Let's see something new. Now's the time it's, it's unprecedented times. And uh, this is definitely something new rolls right over into the regular season, which I love um, provides them a little more time. And I also love the fact that they put that CONCACAP berth in place, which means you're playing for something, which is really, really big. Um, no MLS uh, team has ever won the CONCACAF, so to have an automatic berth into that uh, is important for any of these squads. Uh, the money that's involved, all that type of stuff, the prestige. So it's important from that perspective. I love the knockout stage once you get to the top 16. Five subs is a great idea. I, I think I think the MLS has hit a home run here, and and you know I when I heard that you were you were pumped up to talk about this tonight, uh, I did a little research myself, and it, this is this is great because what the MLS is trying to do is land a lucrative uh, TV contract for 2022, and uh-huh. it's amazing. And you touched on it right off the hop. The first team sport to come back here, um, and if they can pull this off, they're going to effectively have. Uh, we found out tonight baseball is mandated back. Looks like they're going to be back July 24th or so. Uh-huh. NBA's uh, late July. So they're going to have two, three weeks here where they're going to be the only real major professional sport going. Uh, yep. They can rack up some serious TV ratings and um, read some cool facts about how they want to make it a little bit more virtual, um, use some partnerships with Facebook and other social media things to to get the fans involved. So it'll be interesting to see what comes of that. But I think, yeah. I think MLS is, is hit an absolute home run here. Yeah, and they're and they're doing games all the way through the the day, all the way up to like ten thirty two. So there'll be a spot for everybody to watch it. And I, they may grow some more fans. I I couldn't agree more with you. They've been down there for a couple weeks now. Although we did learn. Um, in our interview that uh, TFC was heading down, I believe on uh, July 4th and there's no quarantine restrictions at all. So um, I think they'll be ready to go. I think they'll, uh, they'll make a good push and uh, you could see them, although they haven't had best of luck in uh, penalty kicks. uh, I think it sets up nice for them to, to definitely get out of the uh, round Robin one or two in their division. And then uh, I see them getting all the way down at least to the quarterfinals, uh, maybe even the semis. So that, I'm not that I'm betting on that one, but that's that's kind of where it, where we see it. So yeah, and you, you nailed my next point. Was I think they're they're good value. I looked up a little bit of all 26 teams' uh, value, and you know LA LAFC's favorite at plus 350. Toronto FC's coming in at second at uh, at plus 900. So you know nine to one on your money, not a bad pick. And, you know, Seattle Sounders, who have been to the finals, uh, I believe, three out of the last four years at at 16 to one, like a great little value pick there for for our listeners in my mind uh, for a team that could, you know, possibly make a run in a tournament like this. Right. So, yeah, it's good stuff. You know what? It's it's going to be it's going to be fun. I can't wait for it to get going. So why don't uh, why don't we take off here? uh, Exclusive interview. Um, pretty proud uh, to, to have um, a veteran from TFC 2015. He's been with the club, won a big championship, rock steady back 
defender, Eric Zavaleta. So, Ginger, are you ready for your shiny moment? Because it was all you. Let's uh, let's get into the career of uh, Eric Zavaleta. Ginger, take it away. All right, Ginger and Dutch listeners, I want to welcome a friend of the show, Eric Zavaleta, um, rock steady center back from uh, the Toronto FC. Eric, thanks uh, so much for coming on and joining us on the Ginger and Dutch show. Pre- much appreciated. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. So, Eric, I'm just going to get into uh, a couple questions here, and we'll keep it light, and, and we'll catch up on how things are going with you. So um, I want to give a little background to our listeners so they know exactly who you are and what you're all about. So um, tell me, how did a kid from uh, Westfield, Indiana, get involved in soccer when uh, with so much basketball and, and many other sports happening down there? What, uh, what made you fall in love with, uh, with soccer? Yeah, it- you know, the easy answer is to say my dad. Um, I got I have family ties all over the place in the game of soccer. I moved to Indianapolis area when I was like two or three years old, and I can't remember not having a soccer ball at my feet. So uh, my dad was a professional. Uh, he was born in El Salvador and came to the States when he was 18 and went to UCLA to play soccer and then uh, started his own career and had a successful career before injuries and and age derailed it. So for me, it was always aspiring to, to be like my father, as many of us are. And he was a successful player in his own right and became a coach quickly after um, transitioning from being a player. And so I, for, I was fortunate enough to, to have someone who, who really knew and understood the game and could teach me from such a young age. And like I said, I inspired to be like him. And, and fortunately, it, it stuck with me. But bas- you mentioned basketball. It's funny because, like you said, basketball is huge in the state of Indiana. And I played growing up all the way until I was in high school and had to make a decision at that point to decide which sport I was going to choose. And, you know, I felt like I had the most chance of success at soccer. So I stuck with it. But two sports I certainly love. That's great. And a perfect, uh, perfect timing with the Father's Day uh, coming up tomorrow. So that's great. Absolutely. Uh, something that our listeners may not know is, uh, you know, after after you know growing up as a kid in Indiana and, and going to soccer, you went to IU. Um, I'm a huge college basketball fan, and uh, how was that being on campus? You you single handedly led them to their their eighth uh, national title in school history, which is a great feat. But uh, how was it being on campus? Were you were you the big man on campus, or were you just kind of allowed to roam around and do your own thing and and kind of stay to yourself? Somewhere in between, I think. So, Indiana University has a has a ton of history in soccer. We won our eighth, like you said, uh, which is the most in the modern era of college soccer. M- my goal was to go back there with some of my friends and to try to bring them a title that they hadn't had for uh, over a decade, which was rare for them. You know, it was a school that's used to winning a lot of championships. But at the same time, like I just said, Indiana is a basketball town. And at the time, Victor Aladipo, who's a friend of mine, and Cody Zeller, another close friend of mine, were there. And, and they brought that team to, to heights that they hadn't reached in a while. And meanwhile, at the same time, I was trying to do that with, with, with my team. So we were both fortunate to have a ton of success. I definitely followed them closely, got to watch a lot of the games, got to know a lot of the guys. And, you know, I think people knew who I was, but the basketball players were the stars and, and understandably so because they were so successful guys who have had good careers in the NBA at this point, but, and they a basketball town, but, you know, fortunate, we were, we were fortunate enough to win a championship and, and Indiana's a school that will, will get behind any team who has a chance. And so, they got behind us. We got behind them, and it was a definitely a fun year to be a part of with, with my 2012 team and their 2012 basketball team just coinciding at the same time. Yeah, I could I could just imagine the the fans and the events and 
all the the stuff at the on campus going on that would be pretty pretty wild so for sure so it brings you now into uh or at that point would bring you into the mls and you're drafted 10th overall by seattle and and then the trade comes uh to toronto what what went through your mind there like uh, had you ever been to canada uh what was your first thought when you heard um you know after being with seattle for a year and then and then bam you're you're traded up to canada what, what were you thinking I was hopeful for the opportunity. Um, I had been in Seattle for uh, two years. One of them I was loaned uh, to to a team in MLS in LA, Chivas USA, which is now no longer a team. So I was fortunate to get minutes there. But while I was in Seattle, I didn't get as many as I expected, as many as I had hoped for, um, and maybe as many as they had hoped for too. And I was going through a position change. I was a striker a forward coming in to the pros and, and started to transition back into playing defense. So I was, I was thankful for the opportunity. I didn't, it's for, it's funny because I didn't know much about the state um, or the country, sorry, uh, of Canada or, or Ontario at that, um, which is not too far from where I grew up in Indianapolis. It's an eight hour drive now that I know now and an, an hour and a half flight, but I just had never been there before. I just thought of Canada as a cold, um, you know, wintry place that, that played <laughs> hockey. Um, and I've learned so much in the five years I've been here about the culture, about the city, about the, the country. And uh, I've been fortunate to be here and, ha- and have a ton of success. So I didn't know much. Uh, I was fortunate for the opportunity. It was, it was definitely a club that was on the growth uh, pattern, but, but certainly hadn't achieved the heights that they have now. And so I wanted to be a part of that and uh, have been fortunate to, to help be a part of, of the growth that they've had so far. Yeah, and, and you're a you're a rock steady piece in, in this franchise's history. You look back, uh, you know, you're ninth in, in fixtures now all time with uh, you know, Josie and and uh Javinko and the boys and all the you know, everybody who will go down in FC history, you're third all time in playoff starts. So who would have thought that uh, you know, that one little trade would have sparked a, such a, a solid career for you? Yeah, exactly. I, I had no idea. I don't think the club had a ton of expectations as well, but they felt they felt like it was a, a low risk, high reward situation. And unfortunately, it turned out that way. Like you said, I mean, this club before I got here had never even made the playoffs. And now to have had as much playoff success for me to be a, an integral part of it is something I always dreamed of. It's something I've always wanted to do. And um, I couldn't uh, be more proud to represent the city of Toronto. So you mentioned uh, playoff success there. You know, bring us behind the scenes for our listeners, Eric, about uh, just about those six, uh, 2016, 2017 title runs. Um, you know, we fell in love with the club at that point here in Toronto. Um, I believe that it's going to create so many soccer fans and leave a lasting impression on soccer in Canada uh, moving forward. But what was it like behind the scenes? What was what was your daily life like? Did you see any change there um, from, you know, going out with your family in the streets to just being able to try to get around the city that, you know, was it uh, what was it like behind the scenes for you and and your teammates? Well, first of all, I, I'm I'm happy that I hear that because I, I agree with you. I think we watched I, I've seen this with this city plenty of times before, but I watched this band support grow in numbers um, as we started to have real success there and, and to start to really put some playoff success on paper. I think this is a city that's been striving for championships and, and starving for them really for a long time. And so. For us to go on that run in 16, I believe that we had the team to do it. That was a year that we started off kind of slow and, and we picked up huge momentum going into the playoffs, which is something that's uh, been a huge success in MLS if you look at teams in history. And so it was tough. I mean, we lost that final in 2016. I remember um, 
and uh, it was a cold night in Toronto, but we were so proud to represent um, the city of Toronto and to do it in front of our home crowd. So the whole next year was really a revenge tour for us. And we yep. believed we had the team to do it. And as that year went on, you could really feel the support growing with us as we continued to have regular season success and to really push us over the edge to create what was the best season in MLS history at that time. And so that, that momentum continued on and into the playoffs. And we were confident as ever going into those playoffs that we could finish the job that year. And so uh, we were fortunate to do so. Uh, that's, I, I think that's probably second to being here for the Raptors win in terms of the buzz around the city that I've ever seen for a sports team. And it's something that we hope and, and I believe, like you said, will leave a lasting impression for this city and, and for younger kids for years to come. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And, and obviously, hopefully everything goes well with, with an upcoming uh, World Cup hosting here between you know Canada and America and a little split for thing sure. there. But that's something that uh, you know, can never be taken away from you guys. So, so moving forward, Eric, into the, the 2018 season, and, and I know I felt it uh, just by watching you guys and following along, but um, did, did the team just run out of gas in 18? They, they had a huge CONCACAF run. Um, it possibly affected a little bit what happened in the league season that year. Like, was was it just a lot going on and, and just too many minutes across the board for for everybody? Or what? What um, you know? How did you feel that Concacaf run? Did it affect anything from a from a team perspective? Well, what I'll say about someone who who's an average sports watcher as well as a player is is if you look around different leagues and and different sports the hardest thing to do to do is, is sustain success. And that's something why you would look at the San Antonio Spurs, for example, and their 20 year playoff run is absolutely incredible because the way North American sports leagues are set up is there's parody and they want parody and they want different teams to be successful so that everyone has a taste of, of that championship feeling that we felt. And so that year we put all of our eggs into one basket, which was the champions league because we believed coming off of a championship in MLS that we had the team to do it. And I don't think we were wrong. I think we were two, three kicks of the ball away from being the CONCACAF champions, which is something that no one's ever done in MLS. So we put a lot into that. I tore my quad, certainly playing through that. (laughs) There were so many injuries that, that came through that, but Listen, there's so many reasons as to why that season turned the wrong way as it did. Injuries is certainly one part of it, but, you know, some of us just didn't play well enough. And it was definitely a learning lesson for us. And I think a testament to our coaching staff, to the culture that we've now created and to the fans that are stuck with us that we were able to have a tough run in 2018 and even sort of a tough beginning in 2019. And then to turn around that and then to make it to the final again just shows that, there's a culture of sustained success we believe that we have here and that we'll continue to have here. And, and that's, in my opinion, the hardest thing for any, any organization in sports in North America to do. Yeah, no, you you hit on some great points there and, um, you know, a great segue into my next question. You brought up, um, you know, the coaching staff and what they've done. Um, you know, I know you have a good, uh, great personal relationship with, with Greg coach Manny. Um, how much has he done for this franchise? He's been everything. I think, he came just a year before I did and, and would really focused on, I think, in, in 2014, really trying to push this team into the playoffs. And they had an unfortunate bump along the road that didn't allow them to do that. But from then on, it was really about growth and about establishing a culture that sustains success. Like I said, he doesn't he's been in this league long enough and this coaching staff has been in this league long enough to know that you can have success in one year. But what does that really mean and how, how much does that really cultivate and change a city? 
And so for him, it's been about preaching hard work, preaching the tactics that he, he works on so much um, and really trying to will us to win between the leaders and giving, giving the leaders on the team like a Michael Bradley or a Josie Altador, even guys who have been here for a long time like Jonathan Osorio, Justin Morrow, or myself, just really giving us the leash to allow us to create this culture and to, to really lead these younger guys. But at the same time, he's the first person in the building our leaders are the first person in the building and our last people to leave. And that really creates a culture of success. And I think without Greg, this, this organization wouldn't be in the place that it is, but uh, it's very hard to say anybody's in the place that we are. And so I think he deserves a lot of credit and, and the least that he's allowed these, some of these older veteran players has, has really, really helped us prosper into where we are today. Nice. Um You, you talked about leadership there and, and don't discredit yourself at all. You're a, you know, a, strong piece in the back there and, and and a real leader inside the the room we can just see that from from outside looking in um but how how do you how have you learned and what have you learned about yourself to try to bring these players together you know um football and soccer is a, a sport from all over the world and there's players on the fc now from from all walks of life um you know how have you learned to try to bring these guys together and what have you learned about yourself in that yeah, I think that's an excellent question. I think it, I've learned a ton in short. I mean, I think I came into this league and to this team as a young player who felt like I knew everything but really knew nothing. And that's so translatable to life, right? We're so young and yep. we know, we think we know everything, we really know nothing. And so I've learned a lot from a, a Michael Bradley or a Josie Altidore or a Ben Washeru when he was here, guys that are proven veteran leaders who've had success at many different levels. Um, and so I've tried to transfer that over to, to some of the younger players. But for me, it's, it's like I said, it's about setting the culture of, of work. You can't have success without hard work. I think you can't underestimate the value of, of chemistry, the value of being honest and, and open with your teammates and, and calling them out if necessary. And so I think that I learned a lot about what a losing culture was before and now a lot about what a winning culture is. And that relationship that in the locker room that you talked about cannot be overstated. I think the in 2017 when we had so many egos in that locker room and so many good players in that locker room, it was a selfless locker room and a, and a locker room that believed in one thing and that was winning a championship. I, for myself, you talk about my leadership and my growth, I think – I, I started 32 games in 20, 2017 and started the final in 2016 and dropped for the final. The hardest thing that I could ever go through in my career, I was dropped, but yet we won. And for me, I didn't care. It wasn't about me. It was about the city. It was about the team. It was about the, the coaching staff and everybody who had put so much into it. And I think I tr myself tried to preach that to the younger players that it's not about me. It's not about you. It's about what we can do for this city and what we can do for each other. And the more we can do that, I think the more success we'll have because uh, it takes 11 players to win a championship for sure. And, and, and even more 18, 20, 25. And so I think that's been a huge part of our success. Yeah, that's, that's phenomenal. It's, you know what, it's great to hear that, you know, you're, you're holding guys accountable and then to have the, you know, the selflessness to, uh, you know, to, like you said, get dropped in that, but to know that, you know, you'd been putting in years of work and setting a culture. So you had just as much, even though you weren't on the pitch starting that night, had just 
as much to do with that victory as anybody else on the field that night. That's, that's cool. And, and very heady for you to, uh, you know, realize that in such a important time in, in your life. Right. So. Yeah, for sure. And I think fortunately I was able to realize that. Right. And I think I, hopefully I can take that message to others because I've, I've encountered tons of younger players and, and younger people in my life who don't realize the impact that they put on just by their daily actions. And because they might not be on the field that night, if you, if you didn't train to your capacity, or if you didn't uh, be the best person you could be, you're going to negatively affect the team as opposed to positively affect it. And the more guys you can have that way, I think is what makes this, this team, this city special is because we've got so many of those people and it, it pushes it over the edge. Awesome. Um, so flipping over now to, uh, to current times and, and what's coming up on, on your slate here in the MLS, how have you continued to, uh, to train throughout the summer here with the COVID-19 pandemic? And, you know, how have you been uh, kept yourself ready to go here for what's going to be a little tournament and a restart for you guys? Have you guys been able to train? What have you done? Um, let our listeners know. So it's been a while. <laughs> it's funny because now <laughs> I, I've really thought about it and it's been three months, you know, since since we stopped. And so there's been stages. I think it, it immediately started, I think, 42 to seven, 48 to 72 hours after the stoppage that we were right on to uh, Zoom or video conferencing to work out together. Um, that we immediately were dropped off bikes and, and weights to try to stay in shape because at that time we had no idea what the future looked like in the short term or the long term. We just wanted to be ready for whatever was next. Um, and so I think we did a good job of doing that, but it's so hard at that time without knowing what the finish line is. And so as soon as we yeah. figured out what what the finish line was going to look like, what we're hopeful for the fall, and then and, and for certain what we know is that Orlando's coming coming uh at the beginning of july and so we were able to start to push for that we were able to get individual workouts where we could go into the training facility by ourselves, and that only lasted a week week and a half uh until we were quick into full training so for a week or a week and a half now we've been back at it which is about as normal as it'll be for a little while um it's not fully normal but we're training we're training hard we're training against each other and uh, we're going to prepare as much as possible in the next couple of weeks to to give ourselves a chance to win a tournament in Orlando in, in a couple of weeks. So it's been fun. It's it's great to to be able to have an opportunity to to see each other, to play against each other, and compete again. Um, and and we're going to do the best we can. Um, as always, we keep it light here on Ginger and Dutch. So I'll end it off with uh, with, with one little question here, and it'll be our little secret. I won't let Coach Manny know. But um, how's your golf game doing? <laughs> That's a great question. When you asked me, what, how have you been staying fit? I wanted to tell you it's just been all golf, but that's <laughs> not true. It's been golf. It's been golf as much as I possibly can. I love the game. We've got a, a few players who love the game and, and to love to get out there. Um, and so it's, it's doing OK. I'm, I'm definitely not as good of a, a golfer as I am a soccer player, but I certainly love it. Uh, I try to get better every single day and uh it's great to have a uh, the weather that we're having right now to be able to get out there as much as possible awesome and and uh ginger and dutch i we we love the golf as well so maybe uh when you guys get back from this tournament and you can spare a, a few hours maybe we can uh, have you out to the course and and join you guys out there to, to play around together Absolutely. eric i appreciate you coming on uh, joining us uh, here on our podcast it's uh, very much appreciated and uh thank you very much for your time good luck uh obviously in orlando and good luck uh, throughout the rest of your career. We'll keep in touch, obviously, and, and hopefully you can keep those legs fresh and, and end off your career here in Toronto as, uh, as a vet and, and play a few more years and, and stay till the end. So that would be great. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it.
That was pretty under, unbelievable. Great stuff, Ginger. Uh, well done. What a great guy. Uh, humble, down-to-earth young man. You know, I had a chance to meet him myself. Uh, I actually can't wait to, to maybe get on the links with him and play, uh, see if he's any good. Yeah, you know what? Uh, for us, for two, for two chumps, as we say, just getting started, uh, for, for a guy like that to sit down with us for – for almost 20 minutes was, was pretty cool. Uh, you know, I was nervous, not going to lie to our listeners, but real cool guy, like you said, down to earth and, uh, you know, good communicator and, and, uh, just a really cool guy. Yeah. He pretty much told, uh, told everything it was open-ended and you did a hell of a job. So, uh, well done again. Thank you. So for our listeners out there, let's, uh, let's shift over, uh, into break here now. And, uh, when we get back, we're going to get into our, uh, AFC South, divisional breakdown week five and we're shifting over from the nfc to the afc so uh we'll get into uh the the afc south lots to talk about here with some teams adding some pieces losing some pieces uh seeing if they can make playoff runs like they did last year so enjoy the break listeners and we'll catch you on the other side dutch dutch help me out here can you get the car door there for me yeah yeah man hold on a minute i got some breakfast here man it's breakfast of champions try this what the hell is that, buddy? That is way too greasy. If you spill it all over my car, so help me. Keep your greasy paws off it. Just keep it off my stuff. Dutch, Dutch, I'm suspecting a little bit of hostility here. You know, hostility is a sign of immaturity. Yeah, suck it, immaturity. Just keep your greasy paws off my stuff, God damn it. If Ginger ever learns to eat properly, you'll be listening to our podcast, where Starsky and Hutch are no longer, and it's now Ginger and Dutch. If you ain't Dutch, you ain't much. So welcome to Ginger and Dutch. All right, listeners, welcome back from break. Hope you enjoyed a little montage to the Starsky and Hutch. No longer, it's now Ginger and <laughs> Ginger and Dutch. So uh, for those old enough to know what that was all about, uh, hope you enjoyed it. And for those who didn't, well, uh, we'll catch you on the next ad. So. Um, remember to follow us on all the uh, social media ads, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, we're rocking it out there. Pay attention to our weekly challenges. We got one coming up here soon. Uh, I think Dutch is going to take me to school on uh, on some baseball, so I may have to give one up here. But uh, Dutchy, uh, I'll let you fire in. It's, it's your turn to go, so I'll let you get in here on uh, our AFC South and, and what you had in mind and, and give us a little breakdown on uh, the 2020 season. Let's do it. Let's do it. AFC South last year, we're going to start off with the standings. We had Houston Texans, uh, 10 and six, and they made a decent playoff run. They, uh, they hung on to beat uh, your Buffalo bills followed by a major collapse. Heart, heartbreak, heartbreaking loss. Dutch. sorry. I had to interrupt you there. Heartbreaking loss. Yes, it was a heartbreaking loss. And then, uh, then they go and uh, lay the sod over after uh, leading. I think they're up 28, nothing. I can't, I can't recall, but I'm pretty sure it was. Yeah. 28 or 20, it was something 28, 24. It was, yeah. A big fall Crazy. apart. Crazy. And then we had the Titans nine and seven. We all know what they did in the playoffs and you had a disappointing uh, injury riddled season for the Colts seven and nine. And then you had the lowly Jacksonville Jaguars at six and 10. So I'm going to start with, uh, with this year, uh, right from the bottom. Um, there's just no doubt that the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, they seem to be rebuilding every year. So I got nothing. I mean, <laughs> Garner Minshew, uh, enough said, you know, I know he had a couple pieces here and there, but uh, they were one of the worst offensively last year. I, I see that continuing all the way through. Um, and, you know, 
the only benefit that the Jaguars may have is that there's no going to be no fans in the stands and they never have any anyway. So it might be all right for their, so, you know, they, they have, um, you know, they, they listen, they had some, they got some pickups maybe to call it, you know, uh, who, who was their biggest pickup of the, um, of the season this year? Schulbert, that would I say that that's who I would say was a good pickup for them. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. If you're, if you're looking at strictly free agent pickups, Joe Sherbert is a, a good pickup, but, He's a Paul Puzlesny guy. Yeah, he can rack up a hundred tackles for you, but every single one of them are five yards, a five yard gain. Yeah, you know, I mean, no impact plays there. You know. Yeah, and if you look at you know what what they added to to, it really doesn't matter to what they dropped. I mean, we could go over the names. I know you're a big uh, you'll get into them a little bit, but I just don't see anything at all that that makes makes me believe that they can win more than five games this season. They, they just they don't have anything in there. There's nothing in the tank. I know Fournette uh, had a, you know, admirable season, we'll call it at best. Um, they just don't have much. And simply, there's three other teams in that division that are way better. Correct. This is, uh, like I said, the off-air, this is the tank for Trevor year. They're looking to get Trevor Lawrence. Um, you know, you got Gardner Minshew and you've got Cam Newt sitting over there and you haven't shown any interest. Um, don't know why. Obviously, there's a reason behind it all. They've added some nice pieces on defense, and they are rebuilding that defense with a, a EJ Henderson out of Florida, uh, Clavon Chase on, who's a, a great playmaker out of LSU. So you're starting to see some some rebuild of the defense. But Ngakwe, Fournette, to me, are just pieces that are going to be traded to get more draft picks to be able to get the capital, if needed, to go up and get Lawrence next year. And now you restart your rebuild with Trevor Lawrence as your quarterback and some pieces on defense. And this is just tank for Trevor. Yeah. Yeah. No, I couldn't agree more. Where do you, what do you have them at? I got them as possibly the worst team in the NFL, if not the worst team at two and 14, maximum three and 13. Yeah. God awful. God awful. Dutch. All right. All right. All right. Well, we'll see where that goes. We're both in agreement so that they're going to be at the bottom. Uh, my, uh, my third place team, uh, they're going to, they're going to drop back um, for various reasons. Uh, you know, I, I've got Houston Tech and Texans finishing nine and seven. You know, one name. Uh, listen, Bill O'Brien. I I just think he's awful, and I I I believe, you know, I believe I could do a better job. I'm just kidding. But um, last year, listen, they were in the middle of the pack with their defense, and they were, or sorry, with their offense, and they were ranked pretty much at the very bottom of defense. So where where do you see them? You know, they added a couple. Definitely, they added a couple big name wide receivers. You know, Brandon Cooks, who I got ribbed for. I think it was last week for not mentioning him, but you know, he is a good uh, a good wide receiver. Um, and then you got Randall Cobb, but you know, they lost DeAndre Hopkins. That's a big, big, big loss. Um, I know you're not a big, big fan of them, but, and then what do they got? All they have in the backfield is Duke Johnson. I just can't see them making the playoffs this year. Well, and you know, they did, they did pick up David Johnson in that trade with Hopkins. Um, so they're looking for a little um, rebound. And I, that's probably what you meant when you said Duke Johnson, right? You were thinking David Johnson in the backfield. Yeah. From yeah. the cards. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. yeah. And that's what, that's what I thought. I knew exactly what you're saying there. Um, yeah, but you know what? Back to your Bill O'Brien point. You know, and I, I'm not going to defend a lot of the moves Bill O'Brien's made over over the years here, but there was a repeated history with Hopkins of just those two not getting along. So yeah, why not? Why not make that trade to get rid of them if you know that it's not working out? Um, and then you bring in Cooks, who who I think's a, a decent wide receiver, but you still got the the big one of the biggest playmakers uh in the nfl in in the quarterback in watson um 
So I think he can carry him far enough to, you know, at least respectability. I had him at nine and seven and second in that division. So uh, pretty similar to you. And, you know, the draft was the draft. They didn't add a whole lot of pieces uh, that stood out to me. But, um, you know, you got Deshaun Watson. To me, I don't care how bad your defense is. Look what he did last year. They were the worst in the NFL at letting up 6.1 yards a a play on defense. They were a sieve. And the guy's running around like a chicken with his head cut off, and he still leads them to a 10-6 and record. The guy's just a beast. And uh, I don't see that changing anytime soon unless he gets hurt. Okay. Well, you said second, though. Did you? So you you think you think that at nine and seven, that's where they're going to end up in second? Yep. That's what I, that's where I think they're going to end up. I know you're okay. on the lead on it, so I'll I'll tell you what uh, where I think they're going to disagree. But you continue on. Okay. Well, I I have uh, I have the Colts in uh, in second, uh, ten and six, making it in the playoffs. I think uh, Rivers is going to make a di- big difference for sure. And you know what? With Ty uh, healthy, they had the same problem. They were uh, injury riddled last year. And I like them to compete for the division. I love the connection with Frank Wright. I love the rest of their additions. I love Buckner. Yeah, they picked up. I know we weren't. I was not so high on him because I think he's near the end. But Xavier Rhodes, uh, Roosevelt Knicks, uh, Trey Burton's a serviceable tight end. Uh, they're going to have some good pieces. I love. I love their draft pick. I love uh, picking Michael Pittman. All the way across the board, I see them jumping up into second and really challenge uh, the Titans. And depending on how their, uh, how their two matchups go, I, that may be a reversal in my mind. Yep. So, and, and to finish, so you finish off there. Um, so you've got the, the, te- the Titans squeaking out or you're just kind of in a in yeah. interchange yep. at any. Yeah. Yep. No, no, no. I got the Titans uh, squeaking it out. I, I do have the Titans 11, five. I'll tell you my reasons after you tell me what's happening with the Colts. And I've got the Colts at 10 and six, but do, do make the playoffs. Yeah, I can't. I can't argue at all. Uh, I think you you nailed it with the Colts. Love the connection with Frank Reich, um, and I think you're going to see a healthier team this year. Um, and I love the the draft picks. You know, you go out and you, like you said, one of the the best fullbacks in the NFL in Roosevelt Knicks. And you've got you get that O line healthy, which is still one of the best in the NFL across the board. Um, the only weak link they possibly have on that o-line is right tackle but other than that they're as good as any team from left tackle all the way over to right guard and what does philip rivers love he loves big wide receivers they're gonna run the football they got a two-headed monster now with marlon mack and jonathan taylor out of wisconsin love the second round pick there and you go ahead in the first round you go get michael Pittman jr in the fifth round you go get paton both of them six foot four monsters play action pass. Frank Wright's going to dial it up and Phillip rivers is going to throw that football down the field. And, and with that old line that can protect him, which he didn't have last year in San Diego and he didn't have a running game. Um, I love that connection. And I think the Colts when healthy are a deep squad and you know, if they can get ahead, they can let some of these guys Buckner. I know Justin Houston's got a lot of miles on the tires, but if they can get leads, those two boys can can go to work, get some pass rush going, and the Colts, in my mind, are going to be back atop that division at uh, at eleven and five. So we got them reversed there. Yeah, I just think, and I'll tell you why I think Tennessee. I mean, and then you know, give me your your rebuttal here on it for sure. But you know, they're I know they're old school and they defied the odds with you know the, the running game, control the clock, and but I, I really think Tannehill did you know, come out of a shell and prove that he can be a starter or at least that he got paid for it. So 
Um, I know they, I know losing Walker on the offense is, is a, is a big loss, but he did have a, a few games missed by injury. Um, Humphreys, you know, I think he can hold down the fort. It's all about their receivers. Can they step up to the plate? Um, I think their defense was just rock solid last year. You know what? And they, they picked up uh, Vic Beasley. Yep. Um, I, I, I really like what they did. They got Jack Crawford from the Falcons. There's, there's, and then um, who else? Uh, uh, Jonathan Joseph uh, out of the Texans. I mean, I, I really think that they've uh, haven't done anything different and they started off slow last year with the whole uh, Mariota program and everything. And it just, I, I see when they went to Tannehill, they started winning and the formula was there. And I, and I love Rabel's style, even though I'm not necessarily, you know, all run guy. I just like his, I like how he coaches football. Yeah. He's, he's, he's a throwback. He's um, there's no doubt about that. And uh, you may, you know, say I'm jumping back and forth here, but for me, you know, I, I can't argue the style. I've been preaching it now for, for three weeks on this podcast. You know, you run the football, you play good defense, you're going to be there. Um, there's no doubt about that in my mind. But what it comes down to for me is is two things with the Tennessee Titans, and, and this is where I see the regression. The first one being you pay your quarterback. Whether Ryan Tannehill is worth $140 million or whatever that contract he signed was, I don't think so. You sign that that deal, Ty Conklin walks out the door. Logan Ryan walks out the door. Cameron Wake walks out the door. You just it, it, We've talked about this in, in, in depth, that, that when you make these big quarterback signings, there's going to be other pieces that walk. Yeah. Which is fine. You, you have some nice repla- replacements like you've touched on. I just, for one, don't think Ryan Tannehill is good enough. I think that was a one-year wonder. Um, he had his chance in Miami. Whether the system worked, it was a revolving door at, at offensive coordinator, whatever it may be. But, you know, I've, I've seen Tannehill in person five times. And yep. he just does not pass the eye test for me. And I think it was, uh, like I said, a one-year wonder, a little bit of magic. And I just don't think it's going to be here. And my second reason is I'm going to read you a couple numbers here. From 2015, including his last year at Alabama. 395, 255, 303, and whatever number comes up in 2020, but it'll definitely be, again, 300-plus. That's the number of touches for Derrick Henry in the last five years in his career. There's a lot of miles on those tires. I know he's built like a brick shithouse, but... Um, I think it might be time where Derrick Henry maybe get a little bit nicked up, if, especially if he's getting the carries again. Um, Deion Lewis has walked out, another veteran guy that uh, they weren't able to hold on to. Um, and I know he didn't get a lot of snaps, but he just l- helps spell Henry here and there. Um, if they're going to ride that horse again, um, you're going to live by the sword, you're going to die by the sword. And, and without a running game, I don't know if you or me trust Ryan Tannehill, because I don't, especially without a running game. Well, yeah, we saw that. We saw that in the AFC Championship game, um, in the second, especially in the second half. You you take Henry out of there, and you force Ryan Tannehill to throw the ball 30, 40, 50 times in a football game. He ain't winning many football games. And I, I I get that, but I'm I'm not even worried about them going as far as the as far as they did last year. I just think that they're they're serviceable enough to um to win that division. And yeah, Henry's tired, and I'm sure he's. 
they're going to, you know, maybe not use and abuse them as much. Can they still win the games? Yeah, I think they can. I think they can win with Tannehill. I'll ask you a question. I don't, there's no rhyme or reason why, uh, why I'm asking you, but Garoppolo or Tannehill? Garoppolo all day long. Jimmy Garoppolo to me showed last year that, that, on on games, the he, to me, he won them two or three games just on his arm. Um, I think their their pieces are very similar. I, I don't think they have any, you know, huge wide out, wide outs, especially with Sanders leaving in um, in San Fran. Okay, Tennessee's got AJ Brown, um, you know, an emerging wide receiver. San Fran's got Debo Samuel, so they both got that young emerging wide receiver. That one, two, three years down the road, we could be we could be singing a different tune here, but. Um, I just, I just trust Garoppolo a lot more and maybe it could be Dutch all the way down to the fact that maybe I, it's not even about the quarterback. Maybe I just trust Kyle Shanahan more than I trust, um, you know, the, the, uh, the offense for the Tennessee Titans. Cause I'll be a hundred percent honest. And with our listeners, I can't even tell you who's calling the plays for the Tennessee Titans this year. Yeah. All right. Well, you know what? We'll, uh, we'll, we'll see. Um, I think I'm going to be right on this division. I think this one I'm going to nail. Um, so we'll, we'll see. I know we're keeping track, so it'll be good uh, to talk about it at the end uh, with all of our listeners. Um, biggest question of the night before we sign off. So Fire, fire away at me, Dutchie. I'm ready for you. <laughs> so are you, are you getting rid of your tickets or what? It's getting, it's getting close. I'm getting close. I, 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 uh, I told a couple of the boys, I said, I think, uh, I think next week might be the call. You know, the borders are closed till, uh, you know, at least the middle to third week of July um, with all the emergencies down there with, with the new cases and the spikes in, in the COVID-19. Um, I think it might be time to pack it in Dutch. Yeah. Well, you know what? Listen, um, it sucks because we, we do believe that, that the bills are going to, if if they play football, which you know that's a that's a, that'll be a big discussion at the end of this uh, division discussion, but I think they were going to get a home game, so I'll make you a pact. If if life is good, uh, you know I'll be sitting beside you if uh, the Bills make the playoffs, whether you got season tickets or not, my friend. Oh, for sure. There's no doubt about that, and obviously there's uh, nobody I'd want to go to a playoff football game other than yourself. So we'll make that pact. So Dutchie, let's uh, let's shift that over now, and um, you know, let's move on to our next division next week. Here, where do you uh, where do you want to head? Do you want to uh, you want to go west, or you want to go to uh, the AFC North? I know the North lock a lot like the NFC East for you um, in terms of the AFC. So uh, you tell me where you want to go. Well, I know we're saving the best for last, so so let's uh, let's go north, and then uh, then we'll shift west, and then we'll finish off uh, in the hometown heroes here. All right, awesome. So, Dutchie, uh, any closing thoughts here before we uh, we sign off for uh, this week's episode? This is only the start, folks. Let's hope we can enjoy the ride. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed our uh, special guest, Eric Zavaleta. That's all for me, Ginger. Great job. Awesome. So, signing off for the Ginger and Dutch podcast. Once again, thanks for the time from Eric Zavaleta from the TFC coming on. Remember to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Look out for our weekly Ginger and Dutch challenge. Thank you very much, and enjoy the Ginger and Dutch podcast. I'm Ginger, and I'm Dutch.